Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and it's called a narrative, Dan. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel Dresner, and I'm a citizen podcaster. Have you heard of us? We're a wonderful community. <laughs> Welcome to Space the Nation, where we look at science fiction through the lens of... Norm building. And animism. Today we'll be talking about Yellow Jackets, which is available on Showtime, uh, which has not changed its name, although I believe it could go to just show, just <laughs> S H O perhaps. I believe you can also watch it on Paramount Plus for like an extra yes, subscription or you something. Can. So, yes. You can. Yes. In the next few weeks, we will be talking about N.D. Stevenson's Nimona. And then, Dan, I'm so excited. <laughs> Jupiter Ascending. I'm looking forward to this. I've never seen it before. I'm I'm very excited to, to it share it with you. It is delightful. I am so looking forward to Jupiter Ascending, and I already want to do Eddie Redmayne's like talking like this and then like this. Oh, that sounds that's, like fun. Oh, that's I'm looking forward his to that. main character trait. <laughs> that's his acting. That's acting. acting. Yeah. I. I I'm mostly kidding because he's fantastic, but yeah. one of the things he does is whisper and then shout. <laughs> and somehow it's effective. Okay. So we're doing Jupiter Ascending. We're always taking suggestions. The best way to give us suggestions would be via our Discord. Mm -hmm. But Dan, how would someone join our Discord? Well, it's not hard, Anna. All you have to do is become a patron. If you go to <gasps> patreon.com slash space the nation and choose to become a patron for, I believe, as little as $3 a month, you will get access to our awesome Discord, which contains lots of awesome people, lots of awesome conversations, not just about sci-fi, but about plenty of other topics as well. And My current favorite channel, Dan, can yes, I just try to interrupt my do. current favorite channel on our Discord? I know you're doing your absent dad thing again on the <laughs> Discord, so you probably don't have a current favorite channel, but, but I'm on it all the time. We yeah. have hashtag hated it as a channel <laughs> and I created all the channels in the discord and it's interesting to see how they've been like used for their own purposes. The street creates its uses, I believe is the line. It, in the Neuromancer. wilderness is, is, is doing it. The on. wilderness creates its own uses. Yes. And so I thought hated it was going to be about science fiction that we hated. No, but it's turned into just stuff that people are pissed about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so today someone posted about how they're, their refrigerator sprang a leak overnight and they you know woke up to find their kitchen oh that is floor. awful you know what that is yeah hate, that's hated awesome. it yeah hated it absolutely hated it Total and so solidarity there. it yes. is a wonderful place where people create their own uses there is a channel called adorables that it is that's probably the only channel that i'm really strict about mm -hmm. cute yeah. animals yeah. and occasionally cute babies but they gotta be really prefer. cute though i mean have like, to be know. super fucking cute yeah, babies yeah like not all babies are that cute let's just be honest here let's let's, I mean, let's finally have some real talk <laughs> <You know. laughs> all right so you can become a patron you get to join the discord you if you join at the higher levels you will get merch that has our logo on it we are you also get early process. access to podcasts and if we so you, get up to 250 right. patrons we will do a patrons-only episode on a topic chosen by you, the patrons. Doesn't have to be about sci-fi. Could be about pretty much anything, frankly. We would like it to not be a TV show. Yeah, yeah. There are limits. Like we're not going. We're not going to. We're not going to watch ten hours of stuff. We're not going to read a thousand pages of stuff. We're we're you know we're giving you mostly a lot of autonomy, but like you can't and we both are old people with poor eye-hand coordination. Exactly. So, so no we don't video, do video games. games. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> Other than that, we're pretty flexible. So you know. <laughs> Other than that, we're totes flexible. Very. Yes. You can always reach us via social media as well, although that has gotten a lot trickier than it used to be. It's now. a minefield, Anna. But like, you know, if you are so lucky as to be on Blue Sky, you can reach Anna that way. <laughs> if you are not on Blue Sky, just on Mastodon or Post, you can reach me. I think you can reach Anna on Mastodon. Anna also yes. has a website called www.annamariecox.com, very creatively. And I believe she is on Instagram. I am, I am on Instagram. Yes. And also on my website, you can find out what I'm up to in general. Mm -hmm. I do teach writing workshops these days. Mm -hmm. And the next one is coming up in the fall. If you want to go back to school on your own schedule, as it were, if you want to have the experience of going back to school. Also, you know, Anna's a professional writer. She knows about this shit. I, I highly recommend her as a mentor. It's, it's worth Thank you, pointing out. Yeah. 
Also, I have a Substack. As long as Substack is still around, it's called Dresner's World. At this point, I'm mostly writing just to defy Anna's predictions that the Substack will collapse. <laughs> like I'm, do- I'm writing out of spite, everyone, and that is a really good reason to write. Much like Shauna when she's writing in her journals. Yes, exactly. Because yeah. we are talking about the second half of Yellow Jackets we season are. two, yes, and we're going to get to it. But first, I have a very important question. Mm-hmm. How are you? I'm good, Anna. You know, I I finally watched the end of Ted Lasso. And how do I put this? I'm glad Ted Lasso has ended. You know, it was resoundingly okay. Yes, it was perfectly adequate is the way I would put it there. I could nitpick it to death. And it it was in no way as good as as season one. But you know what? I actually do think the sort of blowback against it. It was also excessive. It was, it had its charms. It was a perfectly adequate series in seasons two and season three. It just wasn't the magic that was season one. And it ended in a satisfying way, I think. I tend to agree. I think season one was just a very special combination of of product and context. Yeah. Not yes, to take exactly. anything away from it. It was a very special product. No, no, and it's really like I think it stands alone. I think it's still incredibly good. But watching it during the depths of the pandemic gave it an extra. And the idea of it was just incredibly fresh. I, I I did like season three. I've said before, I did like season three better than season two. I Mm -hmm. also I liked the last episode better when I thought that the montage of the team was a dream sequence or a daydream (laughs) sequence for Ted. But it apparently was not. Yes, that's what. Yeah. According to Coach Beard, whose real name Beard, uh, is Brendan Hunt. Yeah, Brendan yeah. Hunt escapes me. He said in an interview, it's real, which that's fine. But yeah, but I have to admit, I was not pleased that it was not a dream sequence just because, again, like he, he sort of waved it off. But Ted should have been at Coach Beard's wedding. Let's be honest. I mean, that's a that's a right. And also it yeah. it it, um, it to me is like a the imprimatur of Ted's personality that he has this dream of just everything being perfect for them. When That's really things probably aren't going to be perfect, but I like that mm-hmm. dream that he had. I like it that he has that dream for them. You know, yes. like yes. that to me feels very in keeping with the character of Ted Lasso personally, whereas that actually happening. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate it. Now, also, I'm although, what, you know, yeah, I, Rebecca meeting up with her Dutch dude. Yeah, really. That, that was wasn't the dream sequence that happened. It's canon. Yep. Loved yeah. it. <laughs> Loved no, it. No, no. She's, she's, that is an earned outcome for her. I agree. One question I have for you, and I'm kind of curious because this was, it was, it's left unresolved on the show. Do you think Ted reconciles with his wife or not? Oh, I, I was disappointed by that lack of clarity. Not yeah. that I want clarity out of everything, but it was just kind of confusing. Like, well, it was, it was, there's no, it was weird because it was clearly a plot point of season three. And they just don't deal with it. In yeah, the end. I and mean, the, and the other I, guy, Doctor Whatever, is still there. Yeah, the the dick but who he's... broke a lot of ethical rules yeah. and like, my, I, <laughs> I, it is hard to. Did your I wife have opinions under, about this? <laughs> oh my god, Anna! Erica was furious about that plot line. Like she really like that got her very exercised and and yeah, yeah. she was like yelling at the television at various points and and clearly like it was. A, it was the one thing that clearly outraged Ted or one of the two things that outraged Ted during the season. And and again, as know. well, it should have like, I, I don't know yeah. what it, it seems to me that almost speaks of people who haven't been in therapy to have it be a line crossed that blatantly and then not, yeah, is, del- not have any repercussions of any kind. I, this is an interesting phenomenon more generally, which is I think increasingly the problem with shows that have therapy in them is that they haven't quite caught up with the fact that everyone else <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. is familiar with the norms of therapy and then yeah. therefore not realizing, oh, you actually can't do that. That is a serious ethical no-no. And so, yeah, yeah, that was, I wish they had resolved that a little bit more because my prediction is they actually do reconcile. But like, I, I wish the show had actually gone through the trouble of actually taking another beat or two to make clear how that would have played out. That would have been good. I mean, in general, like it's it's a delight. Right. Yeah. Even even yeah. at its worst, it is delightful. Yeah. And, and also, but, that's I, but I'm glad they wrapped it up. That's a very British thing. Exactly. To do. <laughs> yes. I don't want to see a season four. Perfectly happy. There will be there will be that that has come to a conclusion. All right. We've, we've wrapped up how we are because we are. Yeah, we are just talking about Ted Lasso. That is how yeah. we are. Exactly. Next, we're going to talk about Yellow Jackets and why. Mm-hmm. Why, Dan? Why? Because amazingly, Anna, 
the soundtrack for the show, which has been awesome from day one, got even better in the second half of season two. You know, ner- that Nirvana song, something in the way, was just perfect use. The Cranberry Zombie was, uh, the moment I heard the chords of that, I was like, yes, that was the right call. Well done. Echo and the Bunny Man, you know, I have no complaints. They used Killing Moon twice. They did a cover and oh. Echo and the Bunnymen, Killing Moon. And I also would point out they did Elliot Smith's Pistola as a not sad. <laughs> like, well, it turns out to be sad. But <laughs> yeah. having an Elliot Smith song not used as something heartbreaking is pretty incredible. Novel, yeah. And I I also like the actual show. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> and I would say that what also got better is the acting. It, it, better. I mean, I think that we just saw depth of character. I think they were layers of character got got revealed and it was so great to see the two Natalie's together on screen. I, that was how I felt when I saw, when I saw Sophie Thatcher and Juliette Lewis together, I was like, Oh, that must've been a nice day on set. Like I read an interview that they they really loved being able to have a scene with each other. And it it comes across like there's, there's something in that scene that is very special. I mean, for me, I really hope the two Shauna's get to do that as well. And the two, you know, Thais's and and Vans obviously, but yes, like that would be, that would be great. Like the, the, the younger characters have been, the younger character actors have been knocking it out of the park. And I think, and, and so have the older ones, but, I, in some ways, the the it's more crucial that the younger ones do, and I think that's been yeah. been fun to watch. Next question, Dan. Will this podcast ruin the show for you? And my answer is yes, yes, yes. It absolutely will. If you you know care about Yellow Jackets and you don't want to know plot revelations, turn this podcast off immediately. <laughs> Because in fact, it might already are, be too late, but yeah, yeah, not quite. No, not quite. No, not quite. We not have quite. not revealed anything, anything really yet. But yeah. the point is, there are a lot of plot twists and turns in the second half of season two. Do not listen to this show unless you have watched up to the end of this season or you have zero intention of ever watching this show. And if you have zero intention, please reconsider because I agree. It's a fantastic I, show. It's a fantastic show, and we're we're going to talk a little bit about whether or not season two holds up. But I think I, I think we could both agree that it it the quality is still extremely high. Would be the way I would put it. Yeah. And I am eager to see season two, which actually brings us to the story behind the story because we've talked about the show already. So Anna, I'm just going to recommend that folks listen to the previous Yellow Jackets episodes to find out how we got to where we are. But I am sort of curious whether there's any skinny on season three. They have worked on season three for one day. <laughs> oh, well, okay. WGA strike interrupted the process. <sighs> and I, I, of course, being, you know, a, a union girl, yes. I, I am appreciative of the fact that the mm-hmm. showrunners are supporting the strike. They mm-hmm. tweeted out support saying, it's too bad we didn't get to go on, but we want the writers to get what they deserve. The showrunners, I really hope the strike course, is settled. Having soon. been yeah. writers themselves at one point, yeah, of in course, their career. it has yeah. been renewed for five seasons. Wait, when you say five seasons, you mean five total seasons yes, or like five total? Seasons. Oh, okay, good. Yes. Right, that that makes more sense. Oh God, but, <laughs> I yeah. mean, five is already like I'm kind of stretching. That's a lot, actually. stretching the yeah. bounds of like what I think th- this story can handle. Yeah, five more would be wow. No, too much. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Now that does mean we'll get deep into their second year in the wilderness. Which their is second winter would be second winter, winter yeah. right. which gets us into 1997. Oh, that's true. Which gets us into the music of 1997. <laughs> <laughs> are you ex- look, are you looking forward to this, Anna? Dan, would you like to hear some of the songs that were released in 1997? I would very much like to hear that. Anna. Okay, Brimful of Asha, mm-hmm. Song Two, mm-hmm. Dry the Rain, mm-hmm. and also released in 1997 albums Dig Me Out. From Sleater mm. Kenny, which they have to use Sleater Kenny. They okay. it, it yeah. has to be a part of this show. I can hear the heart beating as one from Yola Tango and Modest Mouse, Lonesome Crowded Ooh. West, mm, which yeah. kind of would be appropriate. Just the yeah, idea. Oh, of that's it. yeah, exactly. I will say that they have used songs that are from 1997 already. <laughs> right. I mean, you know. <laughs> And they use songs that like from the early nineties, obviously. So well, early nineties like, already exist, but I mean, yeah, exactly. I it, I they're mostly appropriate to what the yeah. girls might have heard. Right, I agree. Yeah. 
So that is what I wish they were a little more. I think it'd be cool if they were more strict about that and only use mm-hmm. songs that the, the girls could actually recognize themselves. But we do have a, just, a, it was a, such a good year for music, Dan. I thought I saw you rolling your eyes at some of these. Did I see that? No. Okay. You did not. I deny the rolling of the eyes. All right. Song two, man. That Well, it's all overdone, but I do remember mm-hmm. jumping around on and making floorboards shake in various Chicago apartments when song two came on. So. I confess there's a small part of me that wants to figure out if they're going to use Lisa Loeb, but we'll see. You know, they've used some annoying earworm stuff, like mm-hmm. live, yeah. <laughs> but I feel like it's appropriate. Like when you're a teenage girl, I was a teenage, oh, yeah. I was a teenage girl. I listened to some stuff that was, I wouldn't necessarily want to tell you that I listened to. You know? Sure. <laughs> like I'm really well, proud of I- loving pavement and Liz Fair. But yeah. I also listen to some junk, you know, so. Also, like, when you, when, you know, like anything that is an earworm 25 years later, I think doesn't qualify as junk. It qual- like, it qualifies as something that'll go into a Quentin Tarantino film at some point. Probably. Hey, Dan, speaking of things that come up later. Yeah. Oh, 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 yes. I believe you're right. It is time for Chekhov's What's It. This oh, is Dan, the- sorry, sorry, sorry. Before we get to Chekhov's oh. What's It, but I'll oh. sticking with the theme of surpri- things that appear in the third act. Are you ready? Yes. Yeah. There's going to be a bonus episode. I heard this. Yes. I I kind of hope it's a Christmas episode. Okay. I, you know, that would be appropriate. <laughs> you have to admit like it would be appropriate given what's going on in the woods. And but so like forth. the but, grimmest yeah. Christmas ever. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and they somehow make it about the wilderness god. It's actually Oof. like what's the Christmas tradition that has like the gremlin basically? Krampus. Krampus. Krampus, there you go. They, they yeah, have it be Krampus. Could, All right. We should do Chekhov's What's It, however. We should. Chekhov's What's It is the thing that often appears in Act 1 of whatever it is we are watching or reading and then winds up recurring and reappearing in Act 3. Uh, what do you have, Anna? Chekhov's Walter is a tempting one for me. Yep. That's appropriate because there are a couple episodes where he's gone and then suddenly he he and, reappears and, and plays a pretty pivotal role in the Kind of saves the day, which we'll yep. talk about. We'll talk about a little bit. About it. Speaking of which, I have uh, Chekhov's phenobarbital, which yep. apparently everyone has. Just like you know, like it, 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 it was literally, it was very amusing to me. Like, oh yeah, you just get phenobarbital anywhere you want. You know, like Misty has it, Lottie has it, they all have it. Yeah, it, it, Misty is a nurse, but it's weird that she has it around. Yep. Well, Misty is a little. Weird. See, it's hard I, not I to actually, get, it's hard not to get going because like bringing up Misty like makes me want to talk about oh, yeah. the mistiness of of her and the revelations and whatnot. But we we yeah. have to talk about the plot, and just in case people have forgotten, we will. I just want to add: there's a small part of me that was kind of like hoping for a Reservoir Dogs ending, where like, <laughs> everyone has Vita Barbatol, and like they all stab <laughs> each other at the end. That would have been awesome. <laughs> all I... right, let's get to the plot, though. Yeah. I, well, we're, we'll talk about the ending. I had some hopes and dreams for the ending. I, yeah. Rewinding. Okay. Moving forward. Plot. Let's do the jacket blurb for, for season two, second part. When we last left off, the 1990s situation in the cabin was growing pretty grim, with Ben kind of receding into himself uh, and Shauna getting more and more pregnant. In the modern-day plotline, Thaisa had just tracked down Van, who was running a very unprofitable VCR rental shop somewhere in Pennsylvania. Natalie was with Lottie in the latter's new-agey cult in upstate New York. In the 1990s, things go from bad to worse in the cabin. Everyone is starving. Misty confesses to Crystal that she destroyed the flight beacon, and when Crystal takes that news pretty badly, scares her into falling off a cliff and dying. Coach Ben is proceeding even further and further into his TV-inspired alternative history, which got super creepy, in which he's with his lover. He is also of no use when Shauna finally goes into labor, proving those videos that we were forced to watch not of much use. Misty is pretty shaky herself, but manages to get it together. We see Shauna with her baby saying it's them against the world, but then it turns out she was dreaming that and her baby boy was stillborn. Eventually, Shauna takes her anger out on a willing Lottie, kicking the living shit out of her. Panicked, the rest of the cabin draws cards to determine who they will eat in order to survive. Natalie draws the queen, and the rest of the girls pursue her. Javi tries to help her escape to his secret tree hideout, but falls through the ice in the lake. Natalie could have rescued him, but waits instead. The group decides that the wilderness chose Javi for eating and roast him, but good. Lottie recovers and anoints Natalie the leader. 
That plotline ends when, I think Ben, having found Javi's hiding place and horrified at the cannibalism that he sees in the cabin, sets fire to the cabin and ties all the doors shut. Everyone escapes, but the cabin burns down. Anna, did I miss anything from the 1990s plotline? I will just point out that in cast interviews, the Mm -hmm. younger actors have said they don't believe their characters know that Ben was the one. That's oh, that's, undi- that's undeniably true, but it's got to be Ben. Yeah. I mean, like, I, yeah. Well. It could be the wilderness. I, don't I know, mean, like, I don't, yes, you're right. We, but literally, also, we literally, but also here is the only reason yeah. that I'm, I am saying that it, it might not be Ben is because I, yeah. I feel like the show has taken some leaps in, mm-hmm. in logic that are not huge. Right. But where they've kind of, hand wavy to things sure you know yeah. and and faked us out and it yeah that's fair so it's possible although look this way this was i think this that, was, i mean and also the, it's like they they've in some cases kind of created twists where there shouldn't be twists <laughs> and i can see can you give me a for instance for this one well it's in the other plot it's in the okay, modern we'll day that, yeah. so i'll talk about it there oh i, I, I can say, say it now i'll say it now which is walter saving the day Oh, fair enough. I mean, let me put it this way. In that plot line, we see Ben seeing Shauna hacking up Javi. Yeah, sure. We see him yes. grabbing the yes. rope in the matches. It does kind of seem like, I, and, and like, I just don't know who else could have done it. But I, but it, it is true that the actresses are correct to say that their characters don't know it's Ben who does that yes. necessarily. Yes. Although the ropes would seem to be a pretty big tell that someone did it on purpose, is all I'm saying. Do they see the ropes when they leave the cabin? They know that the doors. Well, are they like, say stuck. I, over and over, they say the door is stuck. Okay, I'm pretty. I thought someone said ropes, but maybe I'm. I'm imagining. I don't that, think so. I think they say. I. I don't remember for sure, but I remember listening for that. I remember listening for them to to catch on that it was something, some human yeah. that must have done it. Well, but, I mean, it's like we we just see them watching the cabin burn down. So, like, I I think I assume season three is going to start with them trying to figure out what the hell happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you have anything else, Kana? I found it odd that everyone just agreed to the card game. Like, yeah, I. It's another kind of kind of thing where it's like, I guess that could happen, and they've tried really hard to set it up that these they're in desperate straits and they're starving and they're hallucinating a little bit. Yeah. But you, for instance, have been very much against the idea that you you would be okay with people eating you. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty anti people eating me. I got to admit, yeah, yeah, I'm okay with people eating me, but I would You're like it to be a natural person death. Than I am, but in, yes, in both yeah. cases, mm-hmm. just agreeing to it, it seems like a step that's still further down the line somehow. Like, <laughs> they could have done a little more work. Like, like one of the things it's I still, did like. Still, like, feel like there's still options. They really, there must be animals out there. There have to be animals out there. It does seem like they've given up hunting. That's yeah. the weird thing is that like Natalie and, they have and, a gun. and Travis haven't gone out. I know. Part of the problem, I think, like, I, I, I think they do try in this second season, particularly in the second half, like just casual mentions of eating people. Like they're, they're like, it's now part of the conversation. It's part of the discourse yeah. in the cabin, as it were. So it's not that it's completely out of the blue, but you're right that they, they, they get to that card game solution pretty damn quickly. And I, I agree with you. That was a bit rough. And Natalie's there and yeah. And she has a, a sort of a, a bigger leap to go than almost anyone. And while right. they show her kind of approaching the edge and definitely mm-hmm. it's, she's closer to, to leaping to the Lottie side than yeah. she was an episode ago. Right. She just, she takes it pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she, yes, I agree. I also you know. think that there's a couple like spooky things that don't go anywhere, which is the blood dripping off the mm-hmm. cabin walls. And yeah, they also have at one point, I think it was in season one, like flashed a ghost of the owner of the cabin or what people assumed was the owner of the cabin. Well, there's like the eyeless man who like made a cameo in the first right. part of this season, but we don't see him at all in the second. So half. there's like, I feel confusing. like there's some things that have been dropped off. And as a person, okay. a fan of supernatural shit, like I, mm-hmm. I miss that stuff, but I, I, I think pretty, pretty good jacket blurb there, Dan. Why don't we, okay. why don't we go to present day? Let's, let's go to the present day plot line. Cause in the present day, the police are closing in on Shauna for Adam Martin's murder. 
Thaisa, Van, Misty, and Shauna converge at Lottie's compound and decide to spend the night. There's a little girl bonding and also a lot of semi-drunken confessions about all the horrible shit they've done over the past year. Lottie, who is starting to hallucinate a little bit, suggests that they have a round of Russian roulette with punch packed with phenobarbital, I guess. (laughs) Shauna, trying to delay, suggests instead that they have a good old-fashioned hunt to appease whatever they brought back from the wilderness. Everyone goes along with this to stall for time. Meanwhile, Jeff and Callie head to the compound to warn Shauna about the cops who are tailing them. Walter shows up as well, and he dispatches the cops by drugging and then shooting one of them and blackmailing his deputy, thereby wrapping up the Adam Martin plotline and sparing Shauna any prosecution. In the woods, Shauna draws the queen, and the other ladies start chasing her. Callie shows up and threatens them with a gun and shoots Lottie. Cult member Lisa shows up and is pretty fucking appalled by everything she sees. Misty, deciding she needs to, quote, clean up, end quote, another mess, rushes at Lisa with her hypodermic full of phenobarbital. Natalie, however, intercedes and Misty injects her instead, killing her in the process. And it also looks like Lottie is going to be spending a little time back in the committed facility. Switzerland, which I gather is is a euphemism sometimes for the <laughs> booby hatch. But yeah, I, I like it. I, I yeah. she, In Switzerland, Dan, she's in Switzerland. <laughs> I w- look. It's just another word for a farm upstate. <laughs> Anna, does that sum it up? Did I miss anything? I don't think you missed anything. I want to say a few things about it, though. I mm. found the chase impressingly believable. Oh, okay. In the sense that that when they kind of go over the edge together, yeah, I believed it. Which is tough. Fair enough. And I think it's a yeah, testament yeah. to the acting more than anything else, right. more than the script. There's that also sort of the masks. Yeah. And there's sort of a weird vibe to it where you can just sort of yeah. see that these rational, mostly rational, except for one of them, women mm-hmm. get caught up. You right. know, in, in, and it's a group delusion in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Melanie Linsky. Amazing. Just so good. Yes. Her reaction yeah, yeah. to the chase is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I want to point out a possible future plot point, which is mm-hmm. Callie. Yes. Who, when she bursts into the hunt, mm-hmm. Lottie stops everything right. and says something like, she's so strong. <laughs> and it's eerie. It's spooky. And then there's also... In, I have some critiques of the last couple scenes because there's way too many meaningful looks. Yeah. But there is a kind of meaningful lingering on Callie. Yeah. I think there's something going to happen with Callie, basically. Like the spirit of the wilderness takes over or she inherits some kind of mental illness. Because I do agree. That's one thing that's suggested in the second half of the second season. Is like that there's a lot of mental issue. illness yeah. happening in this show. That's one, Trauma and mental illness are yeah, intertwined yeah. in this show. And Callie has now experienced a fair amount of trauma <laughs> and also oh, yeah. might have some kind of mental illness that she's dealing with mm-hmm. as well. So I think it, it, also there might be a supernatural part of it. But there's something going to be, be happening with Callie. I also and- can, I, maybe this is the place where I say I think that Walter wraps up the Adam Martin thing way too easily. I mentioned before. Yeah, that I agree with you that that was one of those things. Like I look this way. I like one of the things I, done, done, done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I think the thing is, is that Walter does in a weird way, share Misty's like Uber competence when it comes to the murdering. And so, <laughs> you know, I, that part was believable. It was when he was trying to explain to the deputy yeah. of, look, this is your choice. You either like, and like, even I'm like trying to follow his logic. Here. I was like, I think you're going to need to speak more slowly for the viewer as well as for the deputy. So that that's totally fair. I believe that Walter would do those things. Yeah. What I had trouble with was what you're saying, which is yeah. how do you make it? How do you manipulate the situation so that everything right. works out perfectly? Right. Like, that was the part that I, I was, was expecting was- perhaps it not to end perfectly, which would have been more realistic, right? Like mm-hmm. Walter kills the, the cop and then fudges the some, and then yeah. kills the deputy and then people find out or like somehow his perfect right. plan they often By don't way, go well dan when serial killers make know. perfect plans they yeah. tend there's something that goes off the rails but 
I With most people make they... perfect plans, something goes off the rails. So I still don't know how they would explain the dead cop shot multiple times in the trunk of the car. Like that seems a weird way to explain it. Who but was also drugged? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The other thing I have to ask, and I don't mean to, I, I think this is pretty conclusive, at least as the way the show is treating it. Are we sure Natalie's dead? Like they say she's dead, and I assume that they must have I'm called it. But like, pretty sure. I mean, we it, might not have seen the last of Juliette Lewis. That I agree. She's. I'm sure she'll pop up in a hallucination or two. But but or I'm pretty sure she's dead. I, I wonder if we have seen all of the survivors. I was wondering whether, like, there's. I thought there's that other for sure they would do a cliffhanger introducing another survivor. I thought for sure. I, I do kind of wonder if we'll like see a grown up Aquila or a grown up, you know, Mari or, or yeah, I, I agree with you. Do they just kill Ben? That's also another question. I mean, that seems I have a, a theory strong, about ben now. strong indication that they're probably going to kill Ben, but. No, my, th- so my, my fun theory about Ben is that Ben is still living under the tree. Love it. He's like the Japanese POW they discover in 1985 or something. So, you know, like I, that's how the show's going to wrap up. They're all going to go back to the woods and find Ben. I have a happier ending for Ben. Oh, that's good. Okay, which which is, is that Ben carved out, as it were, his little life underneath the tree. Uh-huh. And then he meets a handsome hiker <laughs> who says, oh, my God, I can't believe you survived out here alone. And he's like, yep, sure is weird how everyone else died. <laughs> And I've just survived out here by myself. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then they just leave because he doesn't tell them about the other girls so that they just, he just gets rescued. And then he has a happily ever after. And, you know, he's like living in Winnipeg or or something. Quebec. Come on. Yeah, there we go. Okay, fair enough. Sure. You know, he learns French. And and they're so far out of like the American mainstream and on the other coast, they Mm. don't see this story about the other, the, girls like getting that. rescued so ben oh. never has to confess to the lie he just très bien lives, on a très bien he just lives happily ever after with this handsome man that mysterious french guy mysterious french, french guy that guy. he met yeah, yeah. in the wilderness that's my happy okay. for ben i think that's fair thank you okay we get to how is this science fiction different from all other science fictions so I would argue, Anna, that season two actually managed something pretty impressive as far as I was concerned. And I was worried about this after our previous podcast, which was, this is a mystery show. It's like Lost that way. It's like, how does this mystery wrap up? It's called a puzzle box show. Yeah, exactly. But one of the problems with these shows is that sometimes as the pieces of the puzzle fall into place, the show weirdly gets sort of, you know, more prosaic, you know, as more details get spilled out, you know, we... It, it, it doesn't quite add up or it, it falls flat or what have you. And I have to say so far, this show has avoided that trap incredibly well as, as more details are spilled out of this show, the mystery a, that was not really ruined. And if anything, I think it added to the sense of tragedy that pervades the entire show. Also the, the, the writing, I think really honestly stepped up a notch, particularly in the season finale, Natalie telling Lisa, I appreciate you trying to teach me forgiveness. It's a nice idea. Juliet Lewis really sells that line, but it's a good fucking line. And Natalie being on the plane with younger Natalie, who says about death, and I love this, it's not evil, just hungry, like us, just let it in. And again, just a a well done moment. So I was worried the show was going to come to earth a little bit. And I think actually, it deepened a lot of things. And and I was pretty impressed with it. What about you, Anna? It's interesting that you see the line, it's not evil, it's just hungry as death. I Oh, yeah. Had a slightly more ambiguous read on that. Oh, what did you think it was? I don't know. Oh, okay. Like, I, I don't know if it's death. I don't think of death as being hungry. That seems like a strange way to describe the idea of death. So if anything, I thought it was like the wilderness. No, I, I'm got my. I know my you're uh, you're stubborn. You're you're super stubborn yeah. about the lack of supernatural stuff in this. Oh show. no no no! I want to be very clear. Like again, by the way, this is something else I admired. The show stuck with the thing. It, it's managed so far again to suggest there was a supernatural element, but also everything that's happened so far is mostly could also be explained by scientific things. And I want to be clear: it's not that I'm opposed to the supernatural, but I think it actually works even better. If there's a supernatural explanation, but there's also a natural explanation. I, I know. Way. I just, I think it's, yeah. I think of you as just anti-supernatural, which I think <laughs> in some ways 
that is a difference between us, but yeah, it is actually us. literally in some ways a difference between us and the whole God. Yeah. God situation. Yeah. So Dan, I think one way that the science fiction is different from all other science fictions is the girls. It's There are it's, some girls on the show. There's yeah. some girls on the show and it's just female centric. It's, it's yeah. And in a way that I think you appreciate, not in a showy way, weirdly. It's just yeah. about the dynamics between women. Yeah, That's just what absolutely. it's about. Yeah. And there are men in it, but they're not mm-hmm. as important. And they nope. they are accessories to the women. And right. I, while there are other shows that are about women's relationships, mm-hmm. not enough of them. Mm-hmm. And I think this show has found a way into talking about women's negative relationships with each other mm-hmm. that manages not to be somehow damning of like women in general. Like it's not like, you know, these harpies like who can't, who have to, you can't stand it that another, another one has success. It's why are you laughing? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm laughing listeners. And the reason is, is because at one point in the final episode, Erica watching this with me, her takeaway was, this is why we can't have a woman president. This is what people think women are like when left to their own devices. Now, I tend to agree with you. I think overall you're correct. But I think it, it was when like they were doing the hunt thing. So like, I also know. presume Erica is joking. Uh, she's mostly joking. Yes, yes, yes. But you understood what she meant by this. I do and I don't. I, okay. I, under, I, mean, I understand the joke. Yeah. But I also think you could put together a pretty good clip show of why we shouldn't have men as president. If you're like well, if you're talking about thing, people yeah. being violent. Sure. If you're talking or about just, violent solutions or people being evil to each other or coming oh, up God, with yes. terrible no, systems no, no, no. of government, I don't yes. think that I, history, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. no. I I I I'm not going to dispute that. So that's that's fair enough. Yes. So okay. it's just the idea that women have this particular inclination to violence or to competition with each other. There are different ways that women have the different styles that women have in terms of competition. But I also think those are largely shaped by culture. And these women are shaped by culture. They're, they are, they, Mm -hmm. yes, they're in the wilderness, but it's not like they didn't have experience before that. Prior to that. And that clearly that experience affects how they, the dynamics. How they think about themselves, how they think about the world. Totally fair. Yeah. So I, I, again, if you put together the evidence for whether or not we should have a female or a male president, I think you would find a draw, honestly. Sure. I mean, if nothing else, like there's pretty, pretty, and you'd have more evidence for why we shouldn't have a male president. Just, <clears throat> just in terms of like amount, like just okay. quantitatively. <laughs> what else did you like and not like about this science fiction? I think there are higher highs and lower lows. I think mm. when it's good, it's really fucking good. And yeah. it, the acting and the writing and the ideas just gel really well. Mm. I think the climactic fire fireside scene, the beginning of the hunt yeah. is, is a good example. Mm. I think actually the example before that and when they have the moment of, are we going to give the wilderness what it wants? And Melanie Linsky, <laughs> Oh, actually a little bit before that, when they're talking about all the shit they've done and, yes. <laughs> and Melanie Linsky talks about, I would have killed the, your husbands right. if I thought they were the blackmail. <laughs> so let me just wait. That honesty works. So the way I would put it is that Melanie Linsky has been amazing on this show. And like yeah. the way in which she stood out mostly has been the way that she's played against what would be character type, where you've seen her truly like bloodthirsty and or angry moments. But in the second half of the season, I think it's her comedy chops that actually really work and hold what could have been some disjointed scenes together where she's trying to explain away what, you know, like what she does to Adam Martin and so on and so forth. And I don't know, there's just a tone that Melanie Linsky does when she's doing those scenes. It, it's darkly funny and, and, and honest, but also funny. And it's well done. I think this also worked in the last of us and her, her character yeah. in the last of us, which yeah. the way I would describe how her comedy chops and playing against type work well together in both of those instances is that she has a very relatable and realistic way of reacting to her own bad choices. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. Like, the, the, I think if yeah. you and I wound up 
you or I wind up killing somebody. <laughs> like, I We'd think react we, the way we Melanie Linsky would. I would hope that we would react know, the way Melanie Linsky like, would. We, yes. we might feel more guilty about it, but like, yeah, we'd be yeah, like, yeah. I mean, Christ, like Dan, you would do the same thing. <laughs> This way, Melanie Linsky is such a good actress that the way it, there's that scene where Jeff has the dream sequence, and like the moment you see Shauna, it like Melanie Linsky in that scene, I was like, oh, this is a dream sequence because she was acting differently from the way she had acted the entire second half. Of I the, loved that season. Edward, yeah. you know, electric scissors Ed, hands. Edward electric yeah. scissors hands. Yes, that's that was good. funny. Yes, I, I think that's about it for me in terms of the okay. how I think this show is special. Let's move on to the yes. characters, Dan. All right, do you have characters that you particularly want to talk about that we haven't talked about already? I think I do. So first of all, I want to shout out to Courtney Eaton, who plays young Lottie. And I think it was really fantastic with, with not a ton of dialogue. But I think what she does, which is absolutely crucial for the second season, is capture what I would say is the ambivalent relationship she has with the wilderness and with the fact that she is essentially viewed as a leader. It is interesting to me that like she clearly becomes a leader and they actually talk about the power she has over others, but she's not, she's not power ambitious. She's not, she doesn't want it. And in the end she winds up relinquishing it, but, but uh, she's just really good. And also we didn't mention this in the previous episode, but I'm kind of stunned to realize that this is the same actress who played the young woman in, um, Gods of Egypt. That's I'm, right. I'm kind of stunned by that. And let's just say she's picked up a lot of acting chops because she's really good in this. To be fair, she was given terrible dialogue in the previous thing, but whatever. I also want to shout out to Jeff. You know, like they do the male characters well in the second half. Like Jeff's dopey effort to protect Shauna are, are really sweet. And indeed to quote Walter, when he like fake confesses to Kevin the cop, as Walter put it, it was a beautiful false confession. And, and that was actually lovely. And then finally, I, I liked how both Liv Hewson as young Van and Lauren Ambrose as older Van bring some different shades to Van in the second half of the second season. I mean, Van was a wonderful character. And we talked before about how like all of these characters are in some ways awful in their own way. And I was like, no, 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 Van's an exception. Van's awfulness kind of comes out a little bit in the in the second half. Like there's some looks that Liv Hewson gives when she is super hungry, where it's like, oh, she is going to eat someone good right now. And same with adult Van, who, despite the fact that she's dying of cancer, does decide like she's the most enthusiastic about the hunt idea. I think so, besides Lottie, yeah, yeah, yes, besides Lottie. But like, I, I think again, it's it's it, and it's interesting how both of them like do this sort of darker turn. And again, it's not like she's an evil character suddenly, but. But also Liv Houston has that wonderful little monologue about being happy that she survived. And I think it actually is a sort of, that is actually a nice summary statement of where those characters are in the cabin by the end of this season. I want to double down on the compliments to Jeff, who is played by Warren Cole. Yeah. yeah. Who, if you look him up, you will see he's actually very hot. And I, yeah, but he and, doesn't play in the hot. But he doesn't play show, him yeah. hot. And, and no, no. I think that's a, a skill, you know, mm-hmm. he plays him as believably handsome, I guess, you know, yeah, like, you know what he plays him at? He plays him as like the aging hunk from high school. I think it's, it, yeah. it, it, you know, but, but also pretty dim in some ways. It's actually a well done role. I think it, there's a lot of humility in that role. And, and yeah. Jeff has humility in this season. Right. Like he realizes he fucked up real bad. Oh, and he realizes and, he's in it over his head completely. And he, yeah. he, he, he loves his wife. He loves Shauna. Yeah. And, and that's believable throughout, despite yeah. the fact she cheated on him. And mm-hmm. you know, marriages do survive that. And mm-hmm. I, I think he, his sort of mini monologue to Callie about what happened in the wilderness. Which is his best parenting moment of the season. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is very, very good. I also mm-hmm. liked that scene because when he discovers Callie drinking a beer and he just kind of takes it from her and he doesn't make yeah. a deal about it. <laughs> yeah. I found that really yeah. believable. I found that like, yeah, you know what? He's just going to not, he's not going to use this moment to get upset with her. He's just going to yeah. be a parent. I, right. I also think that Juliet Lewis is the MVP besides if we want to say Mel, everyone talks about Melanie Linsky. Fine. Mm-hmm. Yes. But Juliet Lewis carries a lot and has a huge arc. She changes the most, I think, of any character in the show in this season. So, that is correct. No, yeah. 
I think that she carries that off very well. And also just as a woman of a certain age, mm -hmm. I really appreciate that Juliette Lewis looks her age. (laughs) And not bad. She just looks her age. She just looks her age. Yeah. Yeah, I just appreciate that. She's had a hard, harder life than a lot of the other yellow jackets. And it's true. The way I would And I, I, I stand a woman that shows her miles. Also, one you were you were correct to, to shout out those actors. I, one other actress I wanted to shout out, which is Nicole Maines, who plays Lisa, who's the sort of young cult member who Natalie befriends, and that was actually a really good job of like a character who like originally you don't think that much of, like she's just one of the henchmen, and by the end of the season is playing a pretty pivotal role, and also plays a pivotal role in Natalie's you know, sort of change of character. I, I was assuming you liked this. One of the things I liked was when the when the, the the women are all getting together and having that night of drinking, Natalie doesn't drink, but she's yeah. happy to have others drink. And I it was I I that's a tough thing to pull off, I think, in, in fiction, but I, I actually was impressed with how they did that. Yeah, I, I it's interesting how they handle her sobriety. I think that yeah. I talked about that before and will preser- reserve talking about it again there's a lot i could say yeah because i want to get on to a big question that i have dan like a burning question please anna ask away is there ir in this show anna all my rational instincts are screaming to run away from this podcast before i answer this question but 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 you know what the wilderness is calling to me and so i will say yes i can confirm that there is ir in this show we, we talked. <laughs> you know, I was going to say, it was like, you could write it off as supernatural, but also. <laughs> it's IR. It's, it's IR, Anna. That's what. They, you know what? Just anytime they say wilderness, just replace it with the word anarchy and you know what's going there on. There you go. Yeah, it works. It, it does got to work, actually. So if the first half of season two was about norm decay, it's about basically everyone in the cabin, sort of, with the partial exception of Ben, like, you know, all those civilized norms going away the second half is about the creation of new norms um and you know this whole mythology of the wilderness as an independent agent who must be appeased and again what's interesting to me is that lie isn't really proselytizing this she's just sort of saying it and they all sort of drift towards it rather than than away from with you know like and again it's actually pretty subtle throughout this season that because like when the season starts Natalie isn't buying this. Sean isn't buying it. Tice isn't buying it. I'm not even sure Van is buying it. But by the end of the season, they've all sort of moved in that direction to the point where Natalie just sort of, you know, accepts uh, the position of leader. We see this in the in the way that the the hunt is sort of ritualized, the drawing of cards. I agree with you that it wasn't entirely perfectly developed, but it wasn't that much of a leap is the way I would put it. And so by and large, I think that was that was well done. And I think the other thing that's interesting, and this is somewhat contra a lot of assumptions that are made in IR, but I think, again, an interesting choice is that not every actor craves power, even in anarchy. The assumption is, is that actors are power maximizers. This is a standard realist assumption, but it's, you know, other paradigms often assume this as well. Lottie willingly transferring power to Natalie and making it clear to everyone that's how it's going to go. I think is interesting and also suggests the way in which they're sort of cohering as a unit and as, as sort of a single actor of all of them. And I think the other thing, by the way, is that, uh, you know, even in anarchy, terrorism is definitely a thing. Honestly, <laughs> you know, because I, I don't one of the I, 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 legitimate surprising turns and I was not expecting this was Ben deciding I'm going to kill them all. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Ben is but Ben believable. is the only believable but like it's a fascinating turn because like he's horrified by the cannibalism and you know let's face it i presume as watchers we are identifying with ben being horrified by the cannibalism but then he makes the decision to you know kill the ball which i in the one hand is kind of repellent on the other hand i think ben probably realizes what we were all thinking as we were watching the season which is oh he's totally next in the eaten list so Oh, yeah. and I saw it as, I don't know if I fully agree. I'm generally mm-hmm. against killing people without any yeah. kind of, you know, trial, yeah, d- et cetera. I agree. But I think yeah. he's making a decision that I wonder if it's an IR decision. He's making a decision like these girls should not be let loose on society. Like these girls have yeah. become agents of chaos. They have become, you know, violence. They have crossed a line in human norms and even I don't I mean, believe Natalie ex- they can come back from. Yeah. 
and I think Natalie it's better for society that, that right. I, I on it. That is actually what I believed his logic was. In no, I think killing them. I, like, I, these, I, these girls have now yeah. become evil and I can't let them be a part of, if of society anymore. I mean, I agree with you. And I think, remember, he makes that decision after Natalie pretty much says what you just said, which yeah. is, we're going to a dark place. You don't belong here. And, you know, it's almost like, okay, yeah, we need to put a stop to this. So, so I yeah. saw it less as like punishment or even mm-hmm. like self-survival. I saw it as, as I mean, it's not exactly like noble or anything, but as a, a, a eradication of a danger. Yes. More than like... It's, there's Ew. a pathogen. There's a pathogen <laughs> loose in the woods, and he needs to distinguish it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a, a safe way of putting it. Yeah, I have actually an IR question for you, Dan. Oh, shoot! Go ahead. How important is ritual in a transfer of power? Because they do that little thing. Yeah. Where everyone goes and does a show of fealty to Natalie, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a question that I had in my head. This is not a question for you. This is sort of just a thing I wondered. Is like, how do they know what to do here? But you know, I'm, I'll, let's leave that aside and instead mm-hmm. go with. It, it's obviously important in that context. Yeah. Is that something that you see a lot? I think the answer is is that you were you are more likely to see attention to ritual in the early stages of power transitions. You know, it, 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 when any state is created, you know the 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 way of thinking about it, think of it this way: like if a regime claims to be a democracy. It's not really a democracy unless the party in power loses and leaves and lets the party, <laughs> you know, that wins come in. Yeah, without um, having like storming a capital or something. Yeah, like storming capital or violence right, or anything yeah, yeah. like that. But like more even in authoritarian systems, there needs to be ritual in order to make it clear to everyone this is how it is going to be. So I, I would argue that it's not surprising that they actually have to dip into that dip into the ritual because it's a way it reinforces the belief of everyone, oh, Natalie's in charge now. Yeah. Lottie has made it so, we've all done this, so now it's accepted and, and there's no there's no challenge to her leadership. And to be fair, let's, you know, when when in that scene, right before she says Natalie, I don't know about you, I wouldn't have been surprised if she had said Shauna or Shauna Taisa. wouldn't have been surprised either. Exactly, yes. <laughs> you know, and I and, was a little surprised she chose Natalie. I mean as soon as she yeah. said the wilderness decided, I was like, oh wait. Or the yeah. world who has already fed us. I was like, "Yeah, is it going to be Natalie? Because yeah. there's an argument for Shauna. Well, look at this way. I did like the the sort of symmetry of Natalie dying in the present day, yeah. but Natalie, past Natalie being, you know, uh, uh, anointed the leader. So that was, that was lovely. But the point is, is that in doing this, it eliminates, you know, it, it gives her some legitimacy and no one's going to challenge her. I think. So it is um, important to answer my question. How important yeah. is ritual? Ritual is important. Okay. It can be, Thank you. Thank say, you, it, Professor Dresner. The answer I would say is that it can be particularly important when there is uncertainty about the transfer of power. And so ritual helps clarify that for everyone. All right. But by the way, I have a, a question for you, Hannah. Oh, Dan, ask away. Is there a critique of capitalism in this show? Dan, there was no capitalism. It was just us. <laughs> <laughs> by the way that was the i i really did love that sequence where shauna says yeah. you know there was no wilderness right it was just us and like and lottie says is there any difference i think you could also i mean honestly you could flip it around there was no us there's just capitalism yeah there we go which is a, what i tend to actually believe i've yeah. talked before about how the show is and i mentioned it in the show it's, it's a dramatization of mm-hmm. what happens Actually, when capitalism forces women to compete over scarce resources, Dan, the wilderness is just the capitalism we met along the way. (laughs) And I do think it also gets into how women have to commodify themselves and offer themselves up as a thing to be consumed. Ha ha. Mm -hmm. Both in obviously some literal way, but then also their stardom or lack of stardom or the way that they use themselves and their personalities afterwards. What I'm really interested in, however, with this second half is something related to what you were talking about, which is that belief systems will not be ignored 
uh, that you need to have a belief system. Like Mm -hmm. there is no such thing, I guess, I don't think there's a state of nature or rather state of nature gets rapidly subsumed, right? Into a belief system. And you can't, you have to have an organizing principle of some sort Mm -hmm. and it can be religion. It can be economic. It can be uh, some kind of political system for the yellow jackets. It becomes this religion of the wilderness, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and that Animist. seems, yeah, that seems weird and culty and strange, but mm. as I like to remind people, all systems are a choice and things can be intentionally shaped or changed, whether it's a religious system or an economic system. Uh, it, this is a choice. And here, I mean, I think one of the things that's dramatizing is that it is a choice that they make to, to yes. follow this, this religion of the wilderness. Yes, it is. As you say, like, and as I said before, I agree with you. Lottie doesn't, Lottie thinks this is real, but she doesn't proselytize it. People choose to believe Lottie. And I, and for those who, it, it is interesting that the show does say something about religion. And, and it, what it reminded me of is, I don't re, you know if you remember this, Ross Douthat had a really good column in the New York Times pointing out that when everyone talked about, like, you know, how everyone on Twitter for the last couple of years have talked about, ooh, 2023 screenwriters, good job with this story, you know, or, you know, when like a crazy story happens complaining yeah. about who's writing the screenwriters. Ross pointed out correctly, you know, you're talking about God here, right? Like, you know, you might be talking about a higher power. And I think that's the way you, that's the way I kind of think about it when they talk about the wilderness, that that, it explains why they are, you're, you're correct that, 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 you need a belief system. You particularly need a belief system, by the way, in situations that are extremely difficult, where scarcity and where environmental scarcity is extremely powerful. This is the point, at least, that, that Karen Armstrong made in History of God. I, I, I agree. And I think it is hard. Sometimes the choices are we have more and less agency, perhaps, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But there are choices. And for instance, Ben makes a different choice. Yes. Yeah. And when when Natalie Natalie makes a choice, she, mm-hmm. she 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 looks at her options and decides this is the way right. I'm going to go. It can feel like not a choice and people, you know, I you have to have grace for people's upbringings and their resources mm-hmm. and all of that, but it is not that they this is how it had to happen. And they yeah. could change at any moment too. Like there could be a moment where they're like, you know what? Eating people is maybe not what we have to do. And maybe we should hunt a little while longer. <laughs> like Maybe we should like <laughs> yeah. put e- eating people down further on the, down, down the list, <laughs> down on the list for options. Why I'm just going to suggest, Donna, that we table the eating people thing. Let's put it over there. Yeah, let's, let's, put yeah. a, let's put a pin in it for a little bit. Let's go back to these other, let's do a little more No bad ideas. No bad yep. ideas. Yes, you know and. Yes, and. I think if they'd had a whiteboard in the cabin, they might have avoided the cannibalism. Line. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we're, just, we're just, okay, eating people, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else? Anything else? That's anything really else? good, but like, I'm, I'm thinking we might want to go in a different direction. Let's see what other options are. You know, yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, speaking of other options, Dan. <laughs> it is the pieces of a cabin falling down. They're burning. It's, it's burning. burning. Oh, okay. Yep. Where are they going to live? Oh, I don't know. It's a brief field. Yep. This is where we talk about the stuff we didn't get a chance to talk about. I actually don't have very much, Dan. Oh, I have a fair amount, actually. We, okay. we covered a lot for me. Okay. You go first, and then okay. I will I will have... I, I have only really one. I bet I think of some more, though, while you're talking. Okay, yes. Okay, a few things. This show continually surprises me with some sort of... It, it, it might be, like, expected in retrospect, but the plot twists are really good. I was not expecting Aquila to be carrying around a dead mouse. That was a legitimate shock for me. <laughs> I guess that kind of says a plot. It, there was a sure. part. I, mean, I wasn't expecting it, you know. Or, um, but le- or Lottie's Imagine Therapy session also took me mm. by surprise. I've been watching a lot of YouTube Yellow Jacket theory okay. videos, and that was a very popular. Fair enough, one but like I, I liked both. Like I, the dead mouse thing was like holy yes. shit! Like I, I literally said that out loud, and it was yes. just a well done thing. What about yes. you, Anna? Who are the red shirts? Oh, like, you know, I mean, we've named most of them, so they're not red shirts anymore, but there's like one, the girl with the baseball cap. Yeah. I don't think she has. Yeah. I don't know if she, I'm sure they all have names at this point, but like. Yes. Yeah. She has a name, but like, I I think there are some red shirts remaining. Yeah. Like they went through like this season, one of the things they did this season was name some of the red shirts and then kill off the red shirts. But 
there's still some sort of there's still people yet to be killed off. All I know is I don't want them to because I know they did this in Lost. I don't want there to turn out to be like another group of survivors somewhere else. That would be a bad move is all I'm saying. It's it's funny, like when Ben discovers the underneath the warm place underneath the tree, I actually thought of Lost immediately. Yeah, I was like, if if there's a hatch, I'm really going to be pissed off. Yeah. Well, also that at some point you need to have an antagonist in the wilderness. And by the way, if people haven't read Mo Ryan's big Vanity Fair piece on behind the scenes at Lost, just a sidebar to recommend that okay. uh, she has a book coming out about kind of peak television ah. and she has a probably 5,000 word piece in Vanity Fair. That's just about what happened behind the scenes at lost, which spoiler alert is a lot of toxic masculinity Oh dear! <laughs> and you know, white, white people doing white people things uh, and okay. men doing men people things. Yeah. But it's also really interesting because of the perspective that the showrunners now have and the way that they talk about their past behavior. I would actually be very curious if you would read it, Dana. I will take a look. I'd love to hear what you have to say for it. It's very good. We'll talk about it in a future podcast. Okay. Little thing for me. This was just a perfect like character note for Misty. The fact that Misty had a crush on Jack Kevorkian, like that was like, Ooh, gross, but totally on point. So yeah. Yeah. Totally bought that. See, I am thinking of stuff like after you talk. So a misty thing for me, I guess this is a Christina Ricci testimony to her Mm -hmm. because when Misty admits that she killed Jessica and like, I did it for y'all, you know, like, (laughs) and, and I was, I kind of believed it. Like she's pretty twisted. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a testament to the show in general that a lot of the killing Mm -hmm. you, the stakes are real. Yeah. And the choices seem real. Yeah. And that is one of the things that makes this show better than most is that you understand why the killing is happening. And also like for Misty, you understand why she did it. Like you and I would not make that choice. No. Nope. But. Nope. We wouldn't even workshop that one on (laughs) him. Yeah. No, that is a genuinely bad idea. It doesn't go on the whiteboard. It does not go on the whiteboard. Um, one criticism, this was, at least it was obvious to me and I, I read and it confirmed in season one, the cabin is clearly an exterior shot. Like it's, it's actually in nature, but the cabin in season two is also clearly a set mm. and it, it felt a little too much like a set. The snow is fake. There's no other way to put it. And I get why they did that. Like it, it, you know, I think they were freezing in, in season one, you know, even in, in when it was ostensibly the spring and summer, but it, it did feel a little fakey to me. And sorry about that, but yeah. Yeah. I have one more thing. I agree. Do you have anything else? I am excited to hear what you have, Dan, please. We haven't really talked about it, but I want to commend the show because Shauna's birth and the fact that the child died, we have managed to, we've mentioned it, but we haven't talked about it. It was exceptionally well done and and particularly the sort of postpartum scenes were were incredibly powerful. I love that they changed the theme song when for the episode where they buried Shauna's son. And again, the the actress who played younger Shauna, you know, she's got a lot of serious acting, but like I, I, let me put it this way, when she kicks the shit out of Lottie that anger was very well done. Like I totally believed it. Um, and you know, you, you, yeah, we haven't talked about this particular aspect, which probably deserves more than a debris field reference, but I'm glad you brought it up. I agree that that whole episode was incredibly sensitive. Yes. That's the thing. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Uh, yet at the same time carry the plot really well. And she's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's, I, the twist, I kind of didn't see. I mean, I started to think, this is a little rosy, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Like, this is, this is working out a little too well. And then when the twist happened, it was, it was kind of, it, it didn't shock me, but also I was like, oh shit, you know, like, that sucks. Yeah. That sucks. And again, Sophie Nalise, who is the actress who plays young Shauna, just 
crushes every scene in that. They're sequence. all so good. Yeah. Those the young, I mean, the older actors are obviously very right. good, I guess. But I, I, and you know how I feel about children, Dan. So <laughs> well, these are children. Come on, I mean, these yeah, are they're young, not children, young, but but yes, I. I it's so cool that they found this particular mix who also really so are, you know, reflect so well or, or, or have such a, a believable mm-hmm. connection to the adult characters. Yeah. No. So, and again, like what we're adult actors, whatever what we're seeing, like I'm trying to say, they look, they look enough alike. And that's what I'm trying I agree. to say. And also like <laughs> what we're seeing is the development of like characters that, you know, are played by two different actresses that you believe they're a unified whole. It's incredibly well done. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I think that's it, Dan. That is it. Is I that think, it? Yep, yep. Are we done? There's no after credits. No credit discordant yep. notes for, for this. We no, the wilderness told me not to do it this time, Anna. And by the way, All I'm right. just going to use that as an excuse for, for I like I'm actually waiting for my fall semester where I've got students who are like, I'm sorry, the wilderness told me not to hand this paper in right now. They told me that I should wait a week. <laughs> I'm just I was that. really hoping that you'll say that to students. <laughs> yeah, the wilderness <laughs> told me not to do a syllabus this year. You know, I'm just going to wing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would be so happy if a professor. <laughs> I wouldn't be. I would personally would not be worried. Not at all. Okay. So, uh, a, f- all right, a Fletcher and- School professor was arrested today after coming in with a half a mask and saying, "Everyone, pick a card." <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I well, I guess I'd know it's you. Yes. <laughs> All right, Dan. We have our other things coming up, which are Nimona mm-hmm. and Jupiter Ascending. Yep. And please become a patron and join our Discord. And until then, keep this channel open for more. <laughs>